actually a good thing. It gives us borders and coastlines and rolling tides. Notice I said rolling tides, Derek, not rolling tide. There's a difference between the two. We can dive in the sea. We can surf on the sea. We can cruise over the sea. It inspires songs and poems and movies. From within the sea and around it, we collect shells, catch halibut, and sift through sea salt. Where else can you make footprints in the sand, build sand castles, and take long barefoot walks? You know, without the sea, beaches are just a desert. They take up two-thirds of the earth's surface and produce around $124 billion in revenue just in the U.S. alone on recreation and tourism. They are the lifeblood of this planet. In fact, somewhere between 50 and 80% of all of life on the earth is underneath the sea's surface. And the seas contain 99% of all living space on the planet. The average depth of the ocean is around 12,450 feet. That's almost two and a half miles deep is the average. The sea is huge and beautiful and it's full of life. It provides joy, money, and inspiration. Without the world, without the sea, the world could not survive. And the Jews of the ancient world feared the water. Many people in the ancient world believed that the sea is where evil lurked. If you looked at the scariest stories in the Old Testament, almost all of them involve the dark sea. The water was not a place that you vacationed. It was a place that you ran from. Unless you're Jonah, of course. When he wanted to run from life, he ran to the water. And so it is with great surprise that as we look through the book of Acts, Paul spends the majority of his time in a boat. It's where much of Acts 27 and 26 take place. He is going to be on the water. And so if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Acts chapter 27. I want to spend just a few minutes before we actually load up on the boat and head out on the water. Prior to this, Paul has spent the last two years in prison for crimes he didn't commit. He was passed around from court to court being a part of this judicial system that was broken but not willing to free Paul. At one point, to avoid assassination, Paul appeals to Caesar's court which is in Rome, 1,400 miles away as the crow flies from Caesarea where he was. 1,400 miles is a long way if you're on land in a vehicle. It's much further if that trip involves 
water and trying to travel the way Paul travels. One scholar said that looking at a map of Paul's journeys and his travels looks like somebody who is on AD, who has ADHD. You look at the map of how Paul goes and it looks more like a child scribbling on a map rather than any sort of itinerary. And this is certainly the case as we look at this trip specifically. All in all, his trip is going to take him over 2,000 miles. He adds over 700 miles to his journey. After a late start and a few unscheduled stops, Paul, along with 275 other prisoners, passengers, guards, and crew, continue on their journey. By the way, Acts 27 opens up with Paul saying, as they're on the journey, he tells uh, the captain, we need to stop. We're going to be in big trouble if we keep going. But the pilot and owner of the ship says, no, 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 we are going to forge ahead. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 27, starting in verse 13. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they waited an anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a sea, island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that it would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Can you imagine the horror of being on a ship that is falling to pieces, so much so that they put ropes down below and try to hold it together. 276 people on board and all hope of being saved had been lost. Verse 21, After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. You get this? He's throwing in the I told you so. He wants to make sure that's in there. Then you would have spared yourselves this danger, this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Which sounds like good news for most people except the owner of the ship who's on the ship. Who's being told you're going to live but your ship is going to be destroyed. And Paul goes on, he says, Last night an angel of God, uh, of the God 
whose I am whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I love how that last sentence is put in there. He says, you're going to survive. We're going to make it. So be of courage. You need to eat some food. I've had a vision from God and God told me that He's going to spare me and not only me, but all the other passengers. So get ready. And by the way, aim for land. We have got to get to the land. And so that's what's going to happen. They're going to end up uh, hitting land not as smoothly as they hoped. In fact, they hit the rocks. That wedged them in. Then the, the sea was, was railing in behind them as it was tearing up the boat. And things get even better from here. I told you, if you want to read something exciting, forget the Harlequin novels. Pick up the book of Acts and start reading it. Over and over again, crazy things happen. But here's what's really interesting to me. Let's not forget, let's not forget, God is in control. Right? Okay, and God has come to Paul in a vision and said, I'm going to spare your life. So here's what should happen next. This is how Acts 27 should go on. The sun comes out then everything gets really smooth except this really strong tailwind that fills the cells and sends them in warp speed as they go towards Italy. He wants to get to Rome. He's been told he's going to get there. Everything should go perfect now. But does it? No! It even gets crazier. God isn't finished. Why didn't God give them clear skies and smooth sailing and a strong tailwind? Why is it that they're going to have to go through what they're about to go through? Sundays are a really special day. I hope they're a special day for you. For me, they're really kind of a busy day. I mean, it, it starts pretty early. There's a lot of things that have to get done. But ultimately, what I look forward to is being here with you guys. This gives me hope for my week. Because I know that you are going through storms of your own. And I'm happy to see all of you here. I really am. I'm genuinely happy to see your faces. Because I know your stories and I know your lives. But there are six people that are here today that there's absolutely other than Jesus Himself showing up and saying, I'm here, let's go. Other than Him, there's no other people that I would rather see than this row right over here. To have Bill and Carol here means the world to me. And to have Jill and Brandon, I've lived vicariously through you guys. Every time Carol would go to see you, she would come back and assault me with pictures of your kids. 
of Natalie. Natalie, I remember when you were born. And I don't know little Tate, but I've heard lots of stories about him. And this family is an amazing family. And they have, they have gone through some shipwrecks and some storms the last few months. And the question is, why God? Why does this happen? And I want to tell you something. Because God has sent one of His messengers all over Texas through different hospitals and clinics and rehab facilities and they have been able to see God working through this woman. Just the other day she stopped by and we were talking and she'd gotten a text from Bill. And you, you know what Bill was doing while she was out running around? Vacuuming. He's in the house vacuuming so that Carol doesn't have to go home and do this. And not only was he vacuuming, guys, listen up, I'm raising the bar. Bill raised the bar. He moved the furniture to vacuum. Now I tell you what, I've always thought a lot of Bill, except for his choice of motorcycles. I always had the... I, I, and I thought, you know what? I mean, this is God being glorified. When a husband steps up and helps take care of the family in a difficult time. And I figured he spent so much time pushing a Harley, he wouldn't have any problem pushing you know, a vacuum cleaner. You know, sorry, I had, I'm sorry, I had to get that in. But the question is, in Acts 27, is why didn't God just say, here we go, Paul. We're going to Rome, just like I promised. It's going to be smooth sailing. Instead, he hits rocks. But listen to what happens in the rest of this chapter. There's a mutiny that's going to take place, an attempted escape, ironically, not by the guards, I mean, not by the prisoners, but by the guards. The guards say, let's get out of here. And they say, hey, I've got an idea. Let's go lower the anchor. And instead, they go to lower the lifeboat. Paul catches wind of what's going on. He goes and says, hey, this isn't right. If we're all going to make it, we all have to be together. So another group of them went and cut the ropes and the lifeboat floated away. This is in Acts. This is a great story. They end up hitting the rocks. The ship is being torn to pieces. They first let go the people who can swim, and they swim to shore. Then they dump the rest into the water who grab wood and float, and all 276 make it onto this island that they know nothing about. And this gets worse than Gilligan's Island. Because while they're up there, they're met by the indigenous people who live there who happen to be kind, and they start a fire. Now remember fire, and remember that this fire is going to warm 276 people. I mean, that's, that's a lot of wood. And Paul, wanting to be the helper that he is, says, hey, I'll go get some wood. He goes to grab the wood. He gets the wood. He's getting near the fire, and as he's throwing the wood on the fire... A snake latches onto his hand, bites him. And these uh, Mediterranean serpents that we understand today are very venomous. In fact, 
in most cases, death not only is certain, it's almost instantaneous. He's been on a boat, and for the last 14 days, they haven't been eating because they're so afraid. They, they wreck the ship onto the shore, they swim to shore, he gets out, and he gets bit by a snake. Now folks, for, for the people back in that time, the only omen worse than, than a rough water is a snake. And Paul goes from a wrecked ship onto shore only to be bitten by a snake. And then he does something crazy. He shakes it off into the fire. And everybody starts watching Paul. All eyes are on him. They're waiting to see when's he going to die. And they keep waiting. He's going to fall any second. There's probably some bets being placed. When's he going to go? If he dies, I get his sandals. I don't know what's going on. But they think he's going to die. And he doesn't. So then they get really confused and think, okay, they first thought, if he survived the ship and then got bit by a snake, he's a really bad guy. And then when he didn't die, they said, he must be a god. And so this answers the question of why didn't God allow smooth sailing for Paul onto Rome? Because on that island, which later would be identified as Malta, there are people living there, and one of the individuals lived there is an official by the name of Publius. And Publius has a father who's sick. Paul goes to see him. Paul heals him. As a result, more people